Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Welcome to the Scott Radley Show for this Wednesday evening. We got to turn this song into a dance mix so people can buy the single and go clubbing with it. I'm sure they would love that. It'd be a huge seller. Uh, welcome to the show today. Glad you are along for the ride. We are going to be talking about your property taxes. You just heard something in the news there from Dave about uh, where that's going. Well, we're going to be talking to someone who is very concerned about where that's going and reached out to city council with a letter. And and, and I think that his point uh, will be reflected by an awful lot of people. We'll talk to him in just a couple of minutes. Um, we will be... Chatting about deep fakes. I don't know if you're, uh, you know what deep fakes are, right? I know you know what deep fakes are, but there's been a number of them that have been a real problem lately that are really fooling people. And it's technology getting ahead of some of our ability to keep up with it and the problems that this brings. But the bigger thing is, what do you do? I mean, you can do like the government's doing with TikTok, not exactly the same reason, but say we're going to ban it altogether. But is that really the answer? Is just banning everything that is bad the answer to everything? Because I I assure you that almost everything is seen as bad by somebody, which would mean everything must be banned. Gets to be very complicated. So if if we're not going to ban everything, what do we do? Well, we'll get to that one. And uh, there are some numbers that came out yesterday or this morning maybe from the Blue Jays' first exhibition game, TV numbers, suggesting the Blue Jays' first spring training game TV numbers are larger than any major other major league team's regular season numbers. What does that say about the fan base around here or how desperate we are or... I don't know what it means, but we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, As always, the first segment of the Scott Radley Show is brought to you exclusively by Fox40Shop.com. For sport and for safety, it has to be Fox40Shop.com. Enter the promo code Radley at checkout, and you will get 25% off your order. I'm going to bring Will in for just a second here. Will's on the other side of the glass this evening because Dictionary.com, as all dictionaries do, has updated its has added new words to its repertoire, its dictionary, uh, its canon. That's the sort I was looking for. It's, it's added new words that people now use. And, and so here are some of the new ones for 2023 that, um, that uh, this is either telling you they are really keeping up or boy, we are devolving into a stupid language. Nonetheless, <laughs> it could be a bit of both. Do you know what rage farming is? Rage farming. Rage farming. This is not, by the way, this is not some guy out on his back 40 planting beets while he's annoyed. (laughs) Rage farming. Yeah, that's the the idea or the the, uh, process of doing something on social media explicitly to get negative reaction. Right. You're trying to harvest people's rage. You're trying to do something that will grow rage in people. It seems like the last thing we need these days, but anyway, rage farming, there's a trauma dumping. Oh, yep. I'm familiar with that one. What Uh, is trauma dumping? Well, say you walk up to someone in the bar, you start chatting, and within five minutes, you've learned that they were abused, that the person you were talking to was abused by their parents and slapped around, their teachers didn't love them, and oh, okay, I am now 
uncomfortably familiar with these deeply personal things about right. you, and I don't yep. know who you are. Yeah, you've just like laid it all out there, all the things that are wrong. Uh, this is a stupid one. Petfluencer. <laughs> An Instagrammer uh, who is famous because of their pet as a you as are, themselves. You are like on top of this stuff. Good for you. Um, okay, let's let's go to a few more here then. That uh, cakeage. Is that referring to one's posterior? No, this one. So if you go to a nice restaurant and you bring a bottle, your own bottle, there will be a corkage fee. Mm-hmm. You can bring your bottle, but they'll charge you say 25 bucks to allow you to bring it in there. Cakeage is if you would bring a dessert into a restaurant, they charge you a cakeage <laughs> fee. Uh, um, for me, it would be the Twinkie fee. I'm too cheap for uh-huh. a proper cake. Anti-fragile. Anti-fragile, as in not a special snowflake, to use another Th- that, Exactly right. The opposite of a snowflake. You're anti-fragile. I, <laughs> I, hope, I hope that, you know, when people describe me and you that they say, oh, they're anti-fragile. They can, you know, they can <laughs> deal with stuff. They're not, uh, not going to break down at the first little thing that bothers them. This one, this one to me seems like it may be the stupidest and most unnecessary thing to put in the dictionary. And I mean, there's no limit on what you can put in a dictionary. And yet this seems to me absolutely without cause. North Paw. Nor, as in a, a, a right-handed yes. person? Yes. South Paw is a left-hander. So they've now decided, well, we can't leave out the right-handed people. That would be Discriminatory against, discrimination, I guess. Against the majority of the population. Yes, yes. You, you know, all those who are not ambidextrous, it would be against the right dextrous. I don't know. Um, but yes, so Northpaw. Who is ever going to call someone a Northpaw? Uh, that could make a good joke in the next Creed movie if they make one. Yeah, I suppose. Unless unless it's, you know, someone at the North Pole, like Santa with his kids. Ah, he's he's the Northpaw. Um, uh what else here? We got the, okay, that one, that one. Yes, we got that one. Uh, cyber flashing. That This is an obvious one. Oh, is that uh, sending unsolicited uh, explicit photos? Yeah, pictures of your um, your things on online is cyber flashing. That one's that kind of, yeah. That's, that's useful. Well, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, is there any it's other one? an appropriate one? one we can say on the air, whereas the common parlance, I think I would have to hit the censor button. <laughs> well, there's a million of them here that are going in about gender. Uh, we'll of course. S- yes, of course there are. Um, and a uh, bedwetting. Okay, now this is not huh. this is not about actual urine on your mattress. This is so it's something else altogether. Wetting with with a WH. This is the opposite. This is the opposite of uh, what did we use before? Of uh, anti fragile. <laughs> oh, okay. So now, if you are, if you react, or if you overreact to, you know, to things, and you are really um, y- your anxiety and your alarm, you're a bedwetter. Okay, that actually, that kind of tracks with a, a British phrase I've become familiar with, uh, whinging wet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whinge, yeah, not whining, whinging. Uh, and let's see, is there one more here? Um, uh, my, a family office. Family office, like a computer room? Basically, yeah, if you've got it, that was stupid. I mean, of, of course, why do we need that as a for dictionary definition? Because the TikTok kids didn't grow up with the computer room. They grew up with a computer in their pocket. 
So you got to call it, you got to have another name for it. Yes. Anyway, there's lots and lots of these. 300 and how many did they put in here? They put in 313 new words this year. Was Goblin Mode one of them? Could have been. There were, and as I say, there were a bunch I can't even say on the air, but you can read them in dictionary.com in the adult version. Uh, Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about your property taxes. We're getting close to seeing city council's final numbers on this. But there are concerns about what the numbers are going to be and how this is going to affect you. We'll get into that next. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Welcome to my parents' house. King must have his castle. That's my grandma's basket house. He's such a sassy rascal. Aren't you? Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. Uh, There are a lot of people who are listening right now. I am very sure there are a lot of people who are concerned about where we are going to be going with property taxes. Council is in the middle of negotiations and deliberations. Uh, The end of this month, they are going to be voting on the operating budget, which really drives a lot of what our property taxes look like. And we are told sort of to brace ourselves for something in the 6.5, 6.7%. Usually for a long time now, it's been down in the twos, maybe in the threes. But between inflation and other things that are putting pressure on city council and the city, as I say, we've been told that it's almost certainly going to be way higher than we are used to. Well, some people uh, hear that and sit back and grumble about it, and understandably so. Others speak out. And a letter to the city council from a particular group, I want to read you just a few lines from this and then bring in the author of the letter. While the proposed hikes, this is from the letter that went to council today, while the proposed hikes are comparable to neighboring municipalities, it's an unfair representation of the state of our affairs. Talk about what's going to happen. Hamiltonians are already paying significantly more property tax than municipalities that have approved 2023 property tax hikes similar to what's being proposed on the pending budget. Not only are Hamiltonians already paying more property taxes than neighboring municipalities, they also have lower average wages. Hamiltonians are at a breaking point due to inflation and a decade of rapidly rising housing costs. Households have been forced to cut back on many cost of living expenses such as groceries and gas to make ends meet. Simply put, Hamiltonians cannot afford such an unprecedented hike to the levy. Uh, And just to continue on, as such, now is not the time to increase spending on items such as expanded library hours, councillor budgets, and new positions to be staffed. Instead, we urge council to carefully consider what services might be put on hold or eliminated entirely while we contend with the municipal deficit, inflation, and COVID-related financial pressures. That was written by the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington, uh, specifically by Lou Piriano, who is the president of that association, who joins me now. Lou, how are you today? Hey, fantastic. Thanks for having us, Scott. Sorry for the long intro, but I wanted to get your words out there because I think an awful lot of people, when they hear that, think, I would have written that exact same letter. It's too much. We need to find ways to cut, not to add. Why did you write it? Well, first of all, you know, you've got to start with a council that has the right mindset. And unfortunately, we have a very left-leaning council here with, you know, the queen of the left-leaning people uh, as mayor. Uh, who was for decades uh, part of the left. And I love socialism uh, because it helps people. But you know what? 
socialism is only good until you run out of other people's money to spend. And by other people, I mean the hardworking taxpayers of Hamilton. Uh, you know, property owners uh, are, are going to have to pass this along to tenants somehow. So, you know, the next thing uh, they'll be complaining about is that uh, rents are going up. Yeah, well, they already are. They already are. So have you, have you, or to your knowledge, has the association ever done something like this before, writing to council about expenditures, about taxes, about these kind of things? Uh, over the years, we've, we've delegated on many, many, many topics. So I, I wouldn't pretend to know all of them, but regardless of whether we have or we haven't, now is the time to do it. That's the point. Not to sit by and, and let people, you know, because there was no other delegations there. There was no other people uh, representing. Uh, so, you know, we felt it was left to us to uh, protect property rights of owners. Uh, and as the letter says, you know, uh, I listened to your uh, program the other day, uh, uh, sorry, to CHML the other day, uh, Danko, uh, Councillor Danko was on there saying, you know, in order to maintain the level of services that we have, we have to have this money. Well, guess what? You don't have to maintain the level of services that you have. All the things that we noted in there, plus many others, could be looked at uh, for the moment. And the other thing he says, well, no, we can't put off uh, certain projects because you're just going to have to pay for them down the road anyway. Well, again, that would help people right now to put groceries on the table. This is outrageous. What, okay, let's go to the services for a second because I think there is a, bro- a bigger argument about things like capital expenses and maintenance of buildings and those kind of things. That's different. But for, for services and for programs, there would be those, Lou, who would say, no, you can't cut back on services because people really need them. What do you say to that? Well, you know, you need some of them and you want some of them. And for the ones that are wanted in my ward, so to speak, if I'm a uh, counselor, yeah, I understand exactly why I'm going to want to, uh, you know, get the vote, shall we say. So am I going to do the politically correct thing or am I going to do the responsible thing? And that's that's an ethical question that the counselors will have to ask. Is this something that the, the members of your organization um, – have a say in or talk about or are behind? Have you heard from them about the thought on what this letter, have they heard about this letter? Do they know? Well, it's uh, not something that we would normally send out, uh, you know, before submitting it, but it is available if anybody wants to know. I mean, they elect us uh, to uh, do the governance and the government relations for them. So, you know, if if they had to be there uh, sitting on top of every issue, they'd never have time to go out and uh, trade in real estate. Hmm. Uh, We have very competent people in our communications department who specialize in in these matters and one who used to work in these matters at Hamilton City Hall. So we're on top of it. Uh, Before I let you go, you, you obviously represent, you're the president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington. It's about real estate. It's about housing. It's about homes. Do you, do you, I'm guessing from this letter that you hold a concern already. Hamilton is a very expensive place to live. We all know that housing prices are very high. Do you worry that it go, that it is, if it's not out of reach already, that it's getting there? Uh, you know, the, the, you have to talk to the Bank of Canada uh, Governor General about this, uh, you know, uh, getting rates down because the houses are affordable if the mortgages are affordable. And right now the mortgages are the problem. So if and when, and I expect they will come down by year's end for sure, I think you'll see the market recover. Um, we're already getting lots of inquiries. Uh, people getting pre-approvals apparently is on the rise uh, dramatically. So 
there's activity out there. I think we've bought, my opinion is that we bottomed out. And if I were looking to buy, I would, you know, try to do everything I could to get, get it done sooner rather than later. Uh, that is Lou Piriano, who is the president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington. Lou, thanks for doing this today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Call one of our members. They'll help anytime. Okay? <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Uh, look, you know, something that Lou just said, and, and I think whether you, let me stop for a second. If there are people and well-meaning people who believe strongly that we need more programs in the city, we need more services, we need more this, we need more of that. I, I understand and, and I don't think that those are bad or evil or malicious people who, who want that. I think some people – there's always going to be some people who just like free stuff. But I, I, I think there are – there can be well-meaning people who really believe that we have more need for more programs. And I think that – truly, I think that you can make a very good case that there are certain other programs that we don't have or services that would be very beneficial to our city. However, if we're going to do that – I think that a lot of people in town who are feeling a little tapped out right now would probably echo what Lou and his letter here say, which is fine then, let's find ways to save some money then. Let's find some programs that are wants as opposed to needs and let's make some hard decisions. And I I, I have said this for a long, long time that, that the fact that you have an operating budget that the law in this city, the law of municipalities in Ontario says you cannot run a deficit. That you must, if you raise the amount you're spending, you have to raise taxes to cover that. That's a great thing. And I know some people think, well, wait, why is that a great thing? Because can you imagine what cities would do if they were allowed to run deficits for programs? Can you imagine the debt that cities would be in if city councilors and mayors, and I'm not just talking about here in Hamilton, across the country, across the province, if they were allowed to run like our federal and provincial governments, if they could run debts so that they could put in this program and this program and this program and this program and just borrow against it, could you imagine the debt that we'd be in? That this, this law that requires them to raise the taxes to cover the programs is the only thing that's saving us, honestly, from financial ruin in municipalities. Because I would bet every dollar I have that if that did not exist, every city or almost every single city in this country would spend their brains out like our federal government has and like our provincial government has and put in all these things because they all get you reelected and they're all easy and it's always nice to give people stuff. It's never fun to take stuff away. Uh, they would spend their brains out. Now, is it fun then to get a 6.7% tax increase? No, it stinks. But I'll tell you the other one good thing about this. If you don't like it, remember this. If you think that 6.7% is outrageous and you think that you don't want this and this is bad governance, remember this, make a note, stick it on your fridge, whatever. And then when the next municipal election comes along, you've had an exact amount that you've had to pay because of what's been done. You know how to, who know, you know who to vote out if you don't like it or who to vote for if you do. But I think Lou has some really, I think Lou has some points here that a lot of people would, would echo. Make some hard decisions. Don't just raise the taxes. Start finding some things to save money in rather than just adding.
Take a break. Back after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. What do you want? Let's play ball. It's a beautiful evening, fans. At the ballpark, and the game starts. Warm summer breezes. Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. Doesn't feel like it out there, baseball weather. Friday especially is not going to feel like baseball weather. But we're getting close. Spring training is underway. And a really interesting tweet that was sent out today by a guy who is a sports media analyst. Now, I had not seen these numbers, but according to this tweet, the 2023 spring training opener for the Blue Jays averaged 463,000 viewers on Sportsnet. That's a huge audience. And this person points out that's larger than the regular season number for every other team in baseball, larger than the regular season numbers for other teams. The spring training opener, when nobody cares except for the fact that the grass is green. Really? What does this say about Canadians either as sports fans, baseball fans, desperate for something good? I don't know. Let me bring in Steve Foxcroft. He is a guy who, uh, he's involved in sports at every level. He's also a commentator, does TV, does everything. He's here with us. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? Now, I got a question before we yes. start. The, I know the words and the actions to the OK Blue Jay song. Do you remember both? I, uh, I I think so. I, I I I don't necessarily know that I want to be tested to sing it live on the air, but I th- I think I do. I think I could what? probably get up on the dugout with the yeah. uh, with the Blue Jay act participation people. crew, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. Clap right hand, clap left hand, clap both hands. Like I remember that, and years went by, and I still remember it. Uh, you know what? It's a uh, it's a song that I think Keith Hampshire is uh, very glad that he sung once upon a time because you know he's got a lot of great songs out there, but this one has certainly stuck around. Whether whether people still love it, I don't know, but they still sing it. So, what about this idea, though, Steve? That we're 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 not even into regulars playing in spring training. I mean, we're talking about the early days of spring training when. Guys who wear number 497 and have no chance of making a major league team are playing half an inning, and we've got this many people tuning in. How, what do you take from that? Well, I think it's a lot of things. And yeah, you and I could be in a jersey numbered 497, and no one would know the difference probably. But it's many different things, I believe. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them sports, some of them just the fact that it's weather that we're going through lousy weather. And we may know people, like last week was reading week for the colleges, March break for the schools, the elementary high schools is coming up. So sometimes you know a lot of people that are down there. Um, Often it's a national broadcast across the country because we are a national team now. Um, So I think it's just like, oh, look, it's like when the Masters golf comes on. Sometimes you tune in. Now it is the Masters but you envy the weather. And then you sit there, you want to see some of these new things. It wasn't even our broadcast, too. I think it was, if it's the game that I saw, the first game, I believe, was the Pirates, and it was the Pirates' feed 
that Sportsnet picked up. But yeah, okay. So let me use your Masters example for a sec, because I, I, everybody watches the Masters, or many people do, even if they don't have a rooting interest. I'll tune in just because it's lovely, as you say, to watch. But this would be the equivalent of not the Masters, but of the McKenzie Tours opener in Sudbury. I mean, it's like there's there's nothing of any real interest to anybody in this, I wouldn't think, and yet half a million almost Canadians somehow found an interest in this. It's almost like the rubberneckers on the highway, I think. They tune in thinking and wondering like, oh, I heard Bo Bichette has come into camp, a new person, like he's he's grinded in the gym all winter. What about Vladdy? Is he going to blast the ball out to the highway again? And and what's this new pitcher, this Tiedemann guy who, who's a lefty throwing 100 miles an hour. So I think it's a bit of like the rubberneckers, not realizing what you're going to see or who you're going to see. Um, and I think it's part of that, right? Like it, It's like when I go out in the spring and pull weeds in the garden, the first time I do it, I'm out there all day. So it's like that. You watch this one because it's the first one of the season. Do you think and then th- after that, I'm not pulling weeds as much, I'll tell you that, because the novelty is worn off. The- so I think it'll settle a little bit. Like then when they go and get bombed by the Yankees the next day, that was a tough watch. Do you think that the fact that the Jays are a national team. I mean, they, they have a fan base across the country. Same with the Raptors. Do you think that's underestimated by a lot of people I, in the States that they see Toronto and, you know, they may or may not care much about Toronto? I mean, if you look at it, that, that 38 million people are the fan base, there's not a ton of places in the States, even if you count the whole state. And I mean, California, sure. California has more, but they have, what, four major league teams? New York has a couple. Um, the, t- Toronto has ultimately, or, or I, probably the largest fan base in all of Major League Baseball. And especially when you talk about it to draw from. 38 million people to draw from. Um, the biggest population of that is within 100 miles of their home stadium. So that's huge as well. Compared to 100 miles from the Philadelphia Phillies Stadium or the Atlanta Braves, you're getting into population that absolutely despises them, hates them, wants to see them lose. But with the Jays, it's a little different. Same with the Raptors. When when they do well, like when the Raptors went on their championship run, when the Jays did, then it's of those 38 million, more people are gripped. More people are watching and tuning in and going crazy and buying merchandise and so on. But that doesn't happen in the States. They stay at their maybe 5 million eyeballs in the big, big, mm. big cities, right? It, it really and makes me, that's a factor. It really makes me wonder why it is that when you consider this and when you consider that there's interest across the country and how many people, that why you end up seeing the same commercials over and over and over again on a lot of these broadcasts, whether it's Raptors or whether it's Jays, that you, you would think that companies would look at this and say, this is way better than most other alternatives we have. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity, right? And I agree with you. I hate seeing the same things over and over again. It's monotonous. We got to do something about that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, listen. Just uh, before we go here, uh, just in everything's been going on with hockey. I mean, everything's been going on. Trades left, right, and center. The trade deadline is Friday. I don't think any player will be on his original team by the time Friday rolls around. The way it's going. The Ottawa Senators have just acquired Jacob Chikrin, 
who uh, the defenseman from the Arizona Coyotes, who's apparently been on the trade block for two years now. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been one of the big prizes. Who knew that Ottawa would be the team that would jump in and steal the big prize out of this because they're not even in the playoff posi- picture right now, but there's always something going on. There's always yeah, some team doing something. You're right, because, yeah, you usually do it and give up more at the trade deadline now for a run at the playoffs. But, boy, this year... Deadline day hasn't been the thing. It's been, like you said, leading up to it. And there's been some major deal. Like the the big hitters are big hitters. That's for sure. Yeah, well, and, and the amazing part about this trade is that we had been told for months that the price for Jacob Chicken was so high, which is what put everybody off and nobody was willing to touch mm-hmm. him. They got a first round draft pick, a second round draft pick next year, and a second round draft pick in 2026. I think a lot of teams would have said, for that price, I'm in. Yeah, but, and it, was that Arizona just saying, we're not going to trade to a t- contender? or was, You know what I mean? Like, I, was it them, maybe, taking a little bit less at the end? I don't think that would be a, the right move for them to do. Do you think that... Maybe, or maybe saying, we got to send them to the east as far away as possible from Arizona. Do you think, though, that anything Arizona does makes sense? Not a chance. That's this is right. this is a in franchise. No, this is a franchise that you just look at and you go, really? I mean, there's almost nothing that happens there that you look at and you say that really is brilliant. It's just growing it, up in Hamilton. We have rinks that I don't think are even around anymore, like the Wentworth Triple Rinks and the Barton Double Rinks. That would be better than what they're playing in now. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I do feel badly for him though that he has to go from Scottsdale to Ottawa in the middle of winter. That is a tough trip, right? Like, how how do you make that phone call? How does he accept that text or phone call from the GM saying, well, we have traded you. It's been two years. We've traded you. And he's thinking, great, contender, maybe have a cup run. Oh, no, you're going to Ottawa. <laughs> bring bring your parka. Yeah, there no you go. Flights, by the way. It's a double connection. Steve Foxcroft, always appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Enjoyed it. Good to catch up. Scott. See ya. Uh, by the way, picture just on Twitter here, Edwin Encarnacion, a special guest instructor with the Blue Jays today. I wonder if he can still swing the bat. They could probably stick him in there somewhere. He could bat ninth. I'm sure he could hit. Quick break. Back after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. History is made by stupid people. Clever people wouldn't even try. If you want a place in the history books, then do something dumb before you die. 6.52 on a Wednesday evening. Time for Will's Story of the Day. Will is in the hot seat today. Matt, uh, not Matt, Ben is off this evening. Ben's off uh, taking a little trip, I think, somewhere. But we'll, we'll find out about that when he gets back. Here's how this works. I am going to give Will three stories odd things that happen somewhere on this great planet of ours. Will will ruminate over these, will adjudicate, will serve as a one-man jury, and will decide which one is his story of the day. Are you ready for this huge responsibility? Ooh, ready as spaghetti. So we're going to start in Chicago with one of our favorite things, criminals who just are not that intelligent. Uh, I was going to say something else, but we'll go with intelligent. A, uh, a guy in Chicago was arrested twice in one day for breaking into cars. Now, he was found, I guess, partially because he was wearing an electric monitoring anklet. <laughs> 
And what what do you think the reason was that he was wearing an electric monitoring anklet? Oh, that's that's a tough one, but I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say he broke into other people's cars before Breaking he got arrested. Into cars, yes. He was already on, I guess, out on release or whatever with this electric electronic monitoring bra- bracelet, anklet, whatever. For doing exactly what he did again. This is this is when you know that maybe as a criminal, you might want to pursue a different line of work. You're just not very good at what you're doing. My actions have consequences. Hey, that's news to me. I mean, for anyone else, if, if I were to decide, you know what? I've decided, uh, Will, that I will forge a career as a professional basketball player. You would think that after maybe the first or second attempt when it was clear that there is zero hope that I am going to be good enough to do this, I would say that's not working out. This guy might want to consider a life not in crime because it's just not working for him. He could always become a SoundCloud rapper. (laughs) Story number two. uh, This one comes from Peru. This is an odd story. Police in Peru stopped a delivery man who appeared to be drunk just to find out what was going on. And um, he was near an archaeological site when they stopped him. Uh, They discovered that inside his cooler bag was an ancient mummy, 600 to 800 years old, uh, who he had named Juanita. (laughs) That's the name that he had given it. He said this, um, this was his, quote, kind of spiritual girlfriend. And he carried her around with him all the time just to have her with him because that's what I guess you do. Now, just two small problems. One, it's highly illegal, all right, back to the dumb criminals. Uh, But two, um, it's actually a mummy of an adult male. So Juanita and a spiritual girlfriend probably not really working for him now that he knows this. I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah, it was, uh, the mummy was wrapped in bandages in the fetal position, typical of many in the pre-Hispanic burial tradition in the area. There you go. Uh, Story number three, this one, this one just hurts to tell this story. A woman in Shropshire, which I guess is over in the old country, over in Great Britain somewhere. I'm not sure where you would find that on the map. Someone listening, I'm sure knows. Uh, There was a company over there, excuse me, a crisp company, we call them chips, but a crisp company that had a contest going for Valentine's Day. And whoever could produce the best looking heart-shaped chip that they pulled out of a bag, they didn't, the company wasn't necessarily making heart-shaped chips, but chips, you know, they look like all different things. You can find one that looks like Richard Nixon sometimes or whatever. Pull a Cheeto out and it's in the shape of Jesus on the cross. Sell it, it on eBay. Yeah. Whatever. But if whoever came up with the best heart-shaped chip would win 100,000 pounds. Woo! 100,000. She found one and took a photo of it. It was a perfect heart shape, but hadn't read the rules and didn't know that you actually had to produce the chip, not just a photo of it. She ate it. Oh. The photo of it is of a perfect heart shape. Would have easily won the contest. She ate it for a hundred thousand pounds. Ooh, eat your heart out there. Jeez. I uh, talk about, I mean, that's, that's, that's rough. That is, oh. 
Anyway, will your- Wandered for a moment. Oh man. For, you know, I mean, look, even if it's the last chip and you just have that salt hankering, it's a hundred thousand pounds. Go buy another bag. Uh, will your story of the day today be the Chicago man arrested twice in one day for breaking into cars while on an electric monitoring bracelet for breaking into cars? Will it be the Peruvian man who had a dummy who was his spiritual girlfriend, sorry, his mummy who was his spiritual girlfriend who turned out to be a guy? Or will it be the woman who ate the $100,000 heart-shaped crisp? Ooh, I wanted to go with the Peruvian man, but I, oh, 100,000 pounds over a moment's mouth-watering goodness. I got to go with our poor crisp lady. There you go. Will's story of the day. You can play along at home, by the way. You can tell us which one you would have liked. 905-645-3221. Send us a text. We got the news coming up. When we come back after the break, deep fakes continue to get realer and realer. If you don't know what deep fakes are, we'll tell you. If you do, stick around because this is going to become, if it isn't already, a significant problem. We're going to talk to Alan Mendelson, our internet law expert. Is there anything that can be done about this or do we just have to get smart enough to see through it? Back after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Hour number two of the Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. Uh, thanks for being with us. If you're just jumping on board, welcome to the show. If you've been here all the way along, we appreciate that too. Hopefully some of you were down yesterday at Soup Fest. We were talking, I was filling in yesterday for Scott Thompson and we were talking to the folks down at Soup Fest. I got to tell you, this, this city, there are some things we do really well and special food events is one of the things we do well. Soup Fest, when we used to have Novemberger, oh, oh, no, I, I just saying the word, I almost drool onto the microphone. Yeah, there, we, we do food events really, really well. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to get down to Soup Fest, make a note for next year because it is well worth your time to do that. Let me give you your quiz question this evening. Speaking of tasties, here it is. See if you can get this one. What brand's commercials once used the line, I bet you can't eat just one? What was the brand that in its commercials used the line, may still use it, I don't know, but once upon a time at least used the line, I bet you can't eat just one. 905-645-3221, star 9900 is the cell number if you want to press fewer buttons, same result. Uh, you can also text us, 905 905- 6453221 that'll come right through if uh, if you think you know the answer to that one i will even give you a hint think mark messier i think he was in commercials for this once upon a time what brand's commercials told you i bet you can't eat just one tom is now in uh, matt is now in and matt will take your call and uh Take your name and take your guess and all that kind of stuff. So give Matt a call and um, we'll get to that one. All right. I want to play you a little something here that is a, well, something called a deep fake. Now, many of you, when I say something called a deep fake, you're like, well, why are you calling it that? Of course I know what a deep fake is. Fair enough. Uh, some people not as familiar. But the idea here is that we now have technology that can very convincingly make people see something and believe that what they're seeing is real, but isn't all that real. 
Here is a little clip of something that may sound like it's real, but you decide if you think it is. Twenty-four election will take place after a divisive period of political unrest. And allowing Republicans to vote could threaten the integrity of the election and the safety of the electorate. Since Republicans have a history of promoting policies that undermine the public's trust in the government, allowing them to vote could lead to an outcome that does not accurately reflect the will of the people. Furthermore, allowing Republicans to vote could result in a surge of voter suppression tactics and voter intimidation, which could compromise the security and fairness of the election. For these reasons, it is necessary to restrict Republican voting in the 2024 election. All right, that was a a video of Elizabeth Warren, the American politician. That was a video of her that looked, it sure looked like her. It was her voice saying something that you would think would be outrageous, that we're going to tell, we're going to put in a new law or try to that would ban half the country from having a vote because we don't believe that their vote is warranted or worthy. The problem is it wasn't real. But if you went on social media over the last little while, an awful lot of people thought she had really said this. Just like several days ago, there was an interview between Joe Rogan, the podcaster, and Justin Trudeau, in which Justin Trudeau talked about with the the truckers on Parliament Hill, that he wanted to nuke Parliament Hill to get rid of the protesters. Not real, but boy, it was, it sure sounded convincing. What do we do about this? It is a real conundrum. Alan Mendelson is a lawyer specializing in internet law. He is also a legal uh, professor at the Faculty of Law at McGill University. He joins us now. Always love having Alan along. Thanks for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure, Scott. Always happy to be here. This is um, this is becoming a thing that when it started, Alan, the whole deep fake thing started kind of as a bit of a lark because look at what the technology is that we can do and we can make Alan Mendelssohn say whatever we want him to say and, you know, we can, we can do all these fun things that Hollywood would have done. I think we're now, this, this Elizabeth Warren one is giving us, I think, a bit of a tip of the iceberg of where this could actually become not so funny but become a real problem. Oh, it's it's certainly a real problem, and you're right. It is the tip of the iceberg. Um, there are just so many issues involved with these deep fakes. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Like, uh, you're going to have to ask ask, ask me a more pointed questions, Scott. Because, <laughs> like, in all honesty, uh, you know, the legal issues related to these deep fakes, you know, just go on and on. Um, it, it's such a unfortunately interesting topic from a legal perspective. You know, I. I just to, to sh- tell your listeners how, you know, what a hot, for lack of a better word, topic it is, I have 25 students in my internet law class at McGill, and the students can choose any topic to write their final paper on. Uh, out of the 25, five of them wrote their final papers on deepfakes. So, you know, it, it, it is definitely a, a question du jour uh, in the legal community. Well, one of the things that, so we've seen the government, for example, this week uh, put into effect the ban on TikTok. So there have been some people who say, well, you know what, governments should then ban these deep fakes because of the risks that they run that somebody might, you know, and we've, we've talked about this on the show before. Think of down the road, Vladimir Putin, we watch a video where he says that, you know, if you're not out of here in, you know, if, if Ukraine doesn't back off in the next five hours, we're launching our nukes. 
and the the absolute catastrophic results that could come from something like that. So they say this kind of thing, this technology should be banned. The problem I have, Alan, is that anytime you start getting into bans of things, I'm 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 not enthusiastic about just banning everything that could be used for ill. So sure, no, no, you know, I go. Sorry, I'll let you finish. No, no. So what? What do you? If we're not going to ban, and maybe banning is the only way, but if we're not going to ban it, are is there any way to enforce any kind of rules and regulations around these things? Well, first of all, I think the problem with banning is that from a practical perspective, it's virtually impossible to ban this. It's not like banning a simple app like TikTok. And meanwhile, TikTok's not even banned. It's just government officials can have it on their government phones, right? So that's an easy enough thing to implement. But there are dozens of services out there, many of them operating in countries far beyond the reach of Canadian law, that allow any individual with a decent internet connection to make a deep fake. So you can't just ban them. It's it's essentially impossible from a practical perspective, um, given the worldwide nature of technology and the internet. I mean, that's something I, I you know I teach my students constantly, and it's something I preach constantly in every media interview I do. That actually regulating some of these things is virtually impossible. Now there are some existing legal principles can that you know can help individuals you know uh, Elizabeth Warren has decent case for several violations of existing civil and criminal laws when someone creates a deepfake you know of her saying things she didn't actually say but again actually getting those things enforced and finding the perpetrators who created that video is the real problem right so let's say and i'm just picking a country out of the blue but let's say that thing was created in albania how in the world is that elizabeth warren going to get any kind of legal recourse to that person correct you know that's you know that's it's certainly that's the difficult part here um, you know, that's, that extends from all sorts of issues of internet law, not just deepfakes. Um, you know, international cooperation is good to the extent that there is cooperation amongst the, you know, 50 or 60 Western civilized countries in the world in these type of issues. But that leaves a whole bunch of other countries out there uh, who, would, you know, are, are not cooperating in enforcement of these types of things at all. So. You mentioned that she may have, and we're using one specific example, we could use a number of them, but let, we'll use this one just to continue the theme. If Elizabeth Warren could find out who did this and they were on American soil, that she may have recourse. Does Canada have any laws right now that if somebody did this to a Canadian person or a Canadian politician or whatever else, is there any law that would actually stop this? Well, I'm, I'm uh, hello? Yep. Oh, sorry, I I heard a a bad noise. Um, You know, whether there's a criminal law, I'm not quite sure. It kind of depends on the situation. But there are certainly civil laws, you know, that would allow you to sue longstanding legal principles. State, you know, for example, there's one, there's what's called a tort. And a tort is what you sue someone on, you know, someone does something bad to you. And there's a tort called appropriation of personality, for example, where, you know, you can't go have someone steal your image and likeness and do something with it. So, you know, you could sue for that. If the 
video shows you in a very false light and says things that you didn't actually say, well, there may be a defamation claim. There are also privacy issues. You know, you, you, your privacy has been violated if someone is using your image in a deep fake without permission. Uh, so certainly... Um, in, in the Elizabeth Warren example, you know, um, or a Canadian equivalent, there are civil recourses in existence. Um, the, whether there are criminal ones in just a standard deep fake, I'm not quite sure, uh, if there are yet, unless we're talking about pornographic ones. All right. Let's, a whole other story. Let's go there for a second because we've been talking so far about, you know, politicians, public figures, but the, the real fear, I think, even if people haven't thought about this yet is, whether it's porn or whether it's something else, let us say, for example, that someone decides they don't like a grade that Alan Mendelssohn gave to them, and you don't know who they are, but they create a deep fake of you saying something just horrendously racist and make a video of it and post it, and it looks convincing enough that people believe you said this. It's a huge problem because now you, even more because you now you're a professor you may have the ability to do this but the average person wouldn't know where to start wouldn't know who to go to wouldn't know what the recourse would be wouldn't know how to get it taken down wouldn't know how to undo the damage you could be ruined by one of these oh there's no question I mean you know now um, and look that's just an extension of the way you can be ruined on the internet generally. You know, we'd be dealing with issues prior to deepfakes in terms of, you know, someone saying a whole bunch of bad stuff about me on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever, um, you know, and there are you know, recourses in that way. But again, they're generally civil recourses as opposed to criminal ones. Um, so, But those are people saying something about you. The really damaging thing is if people think you said it. Right. Oh, no, no, I, I, I agree 100 percent. But, the, you know, that you can you can make an extension, a, a legal argument that extends certain existing um, legal principles, whereby if someone has artificially created me saying something that's negative about me or paints me in a negative light that I never did, it's their fault. It's their responsibility. They're the ones who painted me in the negative light, even though they sort of put words in my mouth, so to speak. Um, and still could be liable under various civil uh, torts and civil laws. Now, it would be almost impossible, as you've pointed out, to necessarily find who created this or who posted this. Is there any recourse through the server or or the company? Let's say somebody posted you a a made-up video of you saying something horrendous on TikTok, uh, on TikTok or Twitter or whatever else. Could you go after those companies and say, that's fake, you posted it, or do they have plausible deniability or whatever better word you would use because they didn't create the content, they just offered the platform? Correct. So for the most part, um, everywhere, all of these platforms, if they are third-party platforms that host content from other people, they are generally not liable for what's posted on their platforms. The most famous laws of those um, is something called Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, um, which is the American law that is very strict. And it says that, you know, if someone puts something on Facebook or Google or Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or whatever, 
all of those providers are never responsible for what's posted on there. And it's a very, very strict rule. And so you could never get away with suing one of those American companies. It's not exact. We don't have an exact equivalent of Section 230, uh, the Communications Decency Act here in Canada. But we generally do have immunity for liability uh, for ISPs, for example, and other hosting providers who host content um, that was made by third parties. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, anyone who's listened to the news about America and the United States, and in fact, there's a big case, a couple of big cases that were just heard in the American Supreme Court this week um, about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act and that rule of having absolute immunity from liability for those platforms uh, may start getting eroded in the future. And what happens if that, so so let's say that at some point the Supreme Court, and I was going to ask you about that, so thanks for bringing that up, uh, that the, the Supreme Court says, okay, now Twitter, for example, has a responsibility that it, it is somehow responsible in some way. Does that not, there's no way Twitter can check every single tweet. They don't have the staff, yeah. there's no such thing as an algorithm that can check the veracity of every tweet. Does that not then just kill social media because we can't allow anything to go on there? Exactly. And that's Twitter and Facebook's and Instagram's argument. Look, we cannot be the police here. It's just physically impossible given the nature of how much content is posted on our services. It's absolutely impossible. We would cease to exist without Section 230 or other immunity laws. So, you know, uh, these things, we'll see how it plays out. The, the the case that hit the uh, United States Supreme Court this week is a little bit different. There's a little bit of a, a twist to it um, in that there is there's the argument is being made that face like Google in the form of YouTube and, you know, other providers are using certain algorithms to show you certain content. And so because they are using these algorithms, they are no longer just passive hosts of third-party content. They're actually actively showing you something. So that's a little twist in the U.S. Um, uh, Supreme Court case from this week. But, you know, it may be the first step um, in, in, in sort of pulling back on this absolute immunity rule. So is there any answer to this? Is there any legal answer to this? Or has anyone figured out a legal answer to this yet? Or right now, are we walking in this murky gray area where, again, uh, someone puts together a a video of um, Justin Trudeau saying something outrageous and you're just then trusting and hoping that people will use their brains and say, no, I, I'm pretty sure Justin Trudeau didn't say he wants to nuke the parliament. But it's out there. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I agree 100%. You know, I, I use the metaphor, are we walking in it? We're, we are swimming in the mud. We are drowning in the mud. And it's only going to get worse. I mean, these deep fakes were very easy to spot four or five years ago. Yep. They are no longer the case. They are impossible to spot. And even they, are, they fool the machines that are designed to spot them. So that's, that's another part of the issue is that the deep fake technology is sort of ahead of the deep fake spotting technology um, and it's making it virtually impossible to police some of this stuff. Oh, sure. If that, if that, now the, the one of Trudeau and Rogan was an audio one only 
And if the, if the creator, and I think they were making a point, but if the creator had not put in something so outrageous like bombing parliament or nuking parliament, if it had been pulled back a little bit, 100%, I guarantee there would have been millions of people who would have believed that was real. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. And that's certainly problematic. You know, uh, the best we can do for now is educate people. But, uh, you know, in the long run, that's, that's just not going to be enough. Is okay. So we only have a minute or two left. Is there, if there was a negative outcome then, and uh, let's go back to my worst case example. Let's go back to the example where we have a video of Putin saying that uh, nukes will be used, and this puts everybody onto high alert, and then something terrible happens. Which you know, maybe we're not too worried about social media. Then at that point, we got bigger problems to deal with. But nonetheless, if there was to be some horrendous thing that came of this. It, it, does the law allow for, in a worst case scenario, for things to then go after the the social media companies, or is it doesn't matter what the consequence is, how big or little it is, it's all the same? Well, right now it's all the same. There's, you know, there it's irrelevant what the actual outcome or the actual consequence or you know what we call in law damages. Uh, damages being a very broad term that covers, you know, actual monetary damages, but actual damages to reputation and physical damages to, you know, a, a nuclear bomb going off. Um, you know, so there, there's very little difference the way the laws are structured now um, that the platforms just uh, are completely generally absolved of responsibility in these types of cases. I, I would love to believe, and look, you, 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 you teach smart people who are in law school. Presumably they're smart people if they've made it to law school. And so probably they are people who would be less likely to be fooled by this. But may, maybe the only answer is we all have to be smarter when we look at stuff and use some discretion and use our ability to think, like, is it, does it make sense that Elizabeth Warren would say, I want to ban Republicans from voting? Or does it make sense that Trudeau would say, I want to nuke the parliament and just trust that we're going to be smart enough? My, my fear is, though, I don't know that I have that much trust. Right. No, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, it, it's, uh, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I trust myself. But even I could, and even I knowing how these things are done and knowing how, you know, the dangers of them and knowing that I'm a pretty smart guy who teaches at a faculty of law, even I could get fooled. So, you know, it, it, it behooves on, on all of us to educate and behooves on, on the media as well to, to point these things out. I, I should have asked before, and just before I let you go, because you mentioned, and it's, it's another area where I think this is going to be a real issue, which is if we can make deep fake v- uh, interviews and comments, we know that people can also make deep fake porn, which would be potentially even more problematic because now someone who has never done anything like this has their face on actions that would be devastating is that the kind of thing that may happen and and like this is the this is such a horrendous thing to say but someone has a deep fake made of them doing that and quite honestly they harm themselves because their life is ruined is that what's going to happen before some sort of laws put in place that changes this no question I, I i'm sure it will if it not if not has already happened uh you know, pornography for them is, from my reading and various studies, 80 to 90% of deepfakes is pornography. 
So that's a huge problem. Now, there are various laws, both criminal and civil, that help a little bit more in the pornography sphere. Um, but yes, the harm to the actual individual involved uh, in one of those videos uh, could be catastrophic. Uh, Alan Mendelson. You can find him at Alan, A-L-L-E-N, Mendelson, M-E-N-D-E-L-S-O-H-N.com if you want to see his, uh, his website. It's a great site. Uh, always great having you on, Alan. We always appreciate your insights. Thanks for doing this. Scott, it's a pleasure as always, and I do know the answer to the question about I bet you can't, but I won't say it out loud. I'll, I'll leave it to the rest I'll, of your readers. I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you on hold before we hang up with you, and you can tell <laughs> Matt so you can be on the list. Alan, thanks for doing this. Sounds good. Have a great day, Matt. That is, uh, that is Alan Mendelson. He is uh, he's a great guest. And as I say, if you want to uh, read any good stuff about internet laws, it's such an interesting area. But this one, this one is a problem because we're just touching on the very beginnings of what absolutely is going to be a really problematic area. When, you know, you, when you were a kid, probably somebody told you, you know, what, what's that? Who was it? Was it Smokey Robinson? Who's saying, you know, you can believe half of what you see, but none of what you hear? Well, now, what if you can believe none of what you see? What if you can turn on your TV and you think you're seeing a politician make a speech or you think you're seeing a crime committed or you go into court as a juror and there's video of the crime, but now you can't believe the video of the crime because we're so used to now video that's been made up and deep fakes and everything else. What, what then? We're reaching a point when technology is making it so we don't know what is believable anymore. So you either believe everything, which is going to take you into a bad place because you're going to then believe things that aren't real, or you don't believe anything, which is going to take you into a dark place because some things are real. Or you try to navigate your way through the middle, but as technology gets better and better, it's going to be so hard to be able to distinguish. It already is. Go, go look or go listen to the Trudeau and Rogan one, or go look for the Elizabeth Warren one, or just type in deep fake on YouTube. You will be, if you haven't already done this or haven't looked some up, you will be blown away by how realistic this is. We'll take a break. Back after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Your quiz question this evening. What brand's commercials told you, I bet you can't eat just one? That would be Lay's Chips. Remember with Mark Messier doing the commercials, others as well. But Lay's Chips. Matt, anyone know the answer to this one today? Yes, uh, we've got Frank, Two Mikes, Vince, Walter, Wayne, Hugh, Joe, Dimitrishim, Alan, Marie, Karen, Russell, Andy, Donette, and Eddie. Well done. I'm amazed. Well, I'm not amazed. I'm impressed. That's the better word. I'm impressed that you knew this. Well done. Uh, I will be not here tomorrow night. I'm going to be in for Scott Thompson from 3 till 6, so you can catch me then tomorrow and Friday. Lots of stuff. Lots of moving pieces these days. It's okay. I'll be there then. If you're there, we'll talk to you tomorrow. If you're not, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.